paranormal was something that the three of us felt we were beyond. We all liked to think of ourselves as educated, and when we got into arguments, we felt near invincible. But when Martin insisted we mess around with his older brother's laptop full of occult pictures and documents, the three of us decided to meet up in John's basement, our usual hangout spot. As we sat there, the three of us stared into the glow of the HP screen, clicking through folders labeled Demons, Rituals, Life, Rituals, Strength, Hexes, Phasing, Lucid Dreaming. Every folder was full of sketchy Polaroid pictures of pale figures with twisted triangular faces and fingers like twigs. Long pieces of text containing foreign languages and symbols, and intricate diagrams for sigils and sacrifices. It was actually some pretty mind-bending stuff. We found a project in a folder labeled Summoning. It contained tons of pictures and diagrams for calling things to this world from hell or from other dimensions, from something that one image referred to as the else. So we picked one at random to mess around with and laugh through. The diagram called for a little prep. We needed only light some incense and say some incantations, all in some language that none of us had ever heard of. The entity that the diagram described lived in some place referred to as Over the Wall, and tons of red text littered the picture. It all warned of dealing with the entity, of its numerous powers, and it included short accounts of lives it had ruined including a pretty sick one about a woman whose guts it had removed and played with, and a few more involving figures without eyes wandering the scene of the summoning. The thing was a curious being, but impatient. It liked stalking us humans, watching, observing, before it grew more malicious, started taking us, experimenting on us, driving us to do things for it seeing what made us beg or cry or bleed. We got everything set up and John volunteered to read off the screen. Let me tell you, watching John fumble through that booga booga language was the highlight of the night. We laughed through the whole thing, John tripping over words and destroying some through his own chuckles. Even when Martin put his hands up to settle us down, the Snickers would get through and flare back into laughs. I decided to pull out my camera then. It had become somewhat of a tradition to film these basement sessions, and it seemed like John was going for an Academy Award. We sort of gave up with the laptop after the camera came out. We were getting bored and John ran out of words to read. Eventually, we all started passing the camera around and speaking directly into it, kind of doing that 70s show roundtable thing. We'd say something intelligent, relevatory, or funny, and then pass the camera on. It was a way of documenting some indispensable hilarity to look back on the next day. The night passed quickly. I remember turning on the TV, and at some point Martin and I packed up the laptop and walked back to his house so John could pass out on his couch. But events leaked in and out of memory after that night in question. The next morning, I woke up to find my phone full of unread texts and missed calls from John. The gist of the messages was, get over here now. And the voice delivering the voicemails wasn't that of an easygoing 17-year-old. 
He spoke in unconnected short clips, a lopsided train of thought. I found it. It was supposed to be for fun. In the camera. You need to see. Just get over here, please. John sounded completely frantic, almost possessed. Something that set off a million little alarms in my head. I went to find Martin, who had also gotten a phone full of messages, and we returned to John's house. We found him upstairs in the TV room. He had hooked up my camera left over from last night and was watching the new stuff we recorded. Pausing and fast-forwarding, stopping every now and then to watch. Martin and I crept into the room and took places quietly on the couch. We didn't want to interrupt. The footage he played continued normally as I remembered it happening, and I watched as John on screen recited the incantations. Coming from his mouth, they sounded entirely made up, yet rhythmic, like poems from some other country. In the video, we'd been cracking up and the sound of choked laughs and giggles bounced around the room, but watching it again made me feel weird, like I was seeing and hearing something I shouldn't be. I looked at Martin and then to John, John's frozen face, Martin's mouth slightly agape, and the feeling that I was watching something forbidden made me feel like it had been a mistake to record last night. I finally asked John what was up, why he called us, why he seemed so scared, and he gave a cold answer, a knowing answer. Keep watching. So we did. The night on the tape played out, filling in memory gaps here and there as it played. It ran to the point where we started talking into the camera and passing it around. John looked as though he'd snap on either of us at any moment, so I didn't dare ask what we were looking for. Finally, in the video, I passed off the camera and John hit pause. Do you see it? John slowly turned to look at us, almost accusingly, between where Martin and I were watching and the screen itself. I glanced at Martin and he shook his head. On the screen, we were all sitting together on John's couch, throwing up rock and roll devil horns with our hands. I stared at the image for a few fruitless seconds. But then it hit me like a train. I saw what John called us over to see, and it made me feel nauseous. John said it before I could. Who is holding the camera? <laughs> 